Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's subject is a little bit of a touchy one, and um, I just i I am a wedding officiant, and I do get this question a lot from not just the people that I'm marrying, but um, people that have questions about God's word. A lot of people have asked me about um, evolution and creation, the differences between the two, and where did you know uh, where did uh, Cain go after he killed Abel? Um, where did he get his wife? You know, and all these questions about the beginning of time and about the beginning of creation. And then we have to go into the evolutionary theory, and we talk about evolution and why I teach and believe in creation. But um, and then I get questions on this aspect of of uh, the Bible. And I refer to the King James Version all the time, and I do my studies out of the King James Version, and um, this subject that I'm going to be talking about, I spent over a year studying, um, learning, learning from the Greek, and learning uh, especially in the Greek, because we're going to be talking about in, mostly in the New Testament today, And our subject matter for today is marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I get these questions all the time. Is it lawful for us to get divorced and remarry to someone else? And according to the Bible, the King James Version, the version right, uh, old King James wrote himself, from the words of Jesus, no is the answer. According to Paul, when you want to remarry, you are to reconcile with your husband or your wife and reconcile with them to remarry. Let's go back to the scripture verse in Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus is actually being uh, tempted by the Pharisees and he is being asked by the Pharisees, um, why did Moses give uh, certificates of divorcement or writings of divorcement? And Jesus says, have you not heard it was not so from the beginning of time? And this section right here, this next section is very important for us to listen to. It's just not something he is saying, but he's referring to a moment of time when a husband and a wife are married and that they are bound for life under God. When husband and wife vow, promise, and say, I will be with you for the rest of my life, that means that you are bound to them by God, and nothing can separate you. Not even if you get a certificate of divorcement or writing of divorcement, you are still bound by God's, uh, 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 being bound by God under that promise that you made before God when he says the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh. You are not separate anymore. You are bound at one flesh, as one flesh. Nothing can separate you. 
Not even if you go to the courts and you say, I want a divorce. According to God, according to what Jesus says, you are bound for life. The only way to get a divorce is for fornication. The word in the King James Version says fornication. The word from the Greek is pornia. I'm trying to roll my tongue because that's how they do it. Pornia. That word means fornication. It means, also it means sexual immorality. But in what Jesus is speaking here means fornication. Because back in the ancient Jewish cultures, at the time Jesus walked this earth, and even before Jesus walked the earth, in the ancient times, the families of the different tribes, uh, you know, because we got the 12 tribes of Israel, and Israel is not the country, Israel is the person, okay? We have the 12 tribes of Israel. And what they did in these 12 different tribes, they wanted their line to stay pure with this one tribe, whatever tribe they belonged to. So what they would do is when a woman became of marrying age, basically when she started her menstrual cycle is basically marrying age at that time. And they would have an arranged marriage between a father of the son, of a son and a father of a daughter. And what they would do, this uh, marriage was arranged. And let's go back just a little bit further. Um, when the, the little girls did not wear face coverings until they started their menstrual cycle, then that's when they began to wear facial coverings. Then uh, the guy didn't really know who he was getting because her face was covered. So when it, came, when it became time for them to marry, she would be asked by the uh, elders, are you a virgin? And she would say, yes. They would be married in a, in a Jewish ceremony the night of their wedding, or the, the wedding night, there was a cloth given to, a white cloth given to the man. And he would place this cloth, cloth underneath the woman. And after they had intercourse, the cloth was given to the families and it was examined. If there was blood on, blood spots, and I mean, this, it wasn't a whole lot, of course, um, the families would say, yep, she's a virgin, and they would continue. They would be husband and wife for life. If she had lied and said she was a virgin and the cloth came back clear, that was um, meaning that she lied about her virginity, and that was the only time that a, a writing of divorcement was given. And he could put her away and find someone else or be given someone else. 
Remember the story when um, Mary was found, that she found out that she was pregnant and she was engaged to be married to Joseph? Well, the angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, fear not to take Mary unto thee thy wife, for what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost. He had in mind to put her away. Say, nope, don't want anything to do with her. Because that's what the Jewish, that's how they did it. That's how they, uh, that's how uh, they worked it. They put them away. They said, I don't have anything to do with them. And that was the only time that they could file for divorce or have a writing of divorcement because the woman had entered the marriage agreement under false pretenses. And the gentleman did have an opportunity to either take her, say, yeah, you know, no, no big deal, I'll take her, or no, I want someone else. He had that choice. And that's what Jesus was speaking of here. The only time you can file or get a writing of divorcement was when the woman said that she was a virgin and she was not. Fornication, sex before marriage. That's what the word means here is fornication, sex before marriage. I know there's a lot of ver- virgin, uh, versions of the Bible out there that say different things at this point. Because whoever did these new versions of the Bible wanted to make it easier for people to understand. But people have taken them out of context. And they use these versions of the, the NIV, the new NIV, the EVC, or whatever it is today, and that says, some of them actually even say sexual immorality. And people take that as, okay, my husband or my wife, after 15 years of marriage, had an affair, they slept with someone else. So I can go off, divorce my husband or my wife, and I can get remarried. No, that's not what it means. It does not mean that. Go back to the Jewish, ancient Jewish times, and that's what it means. Fornication, sex before marriage. She was found in a lie and said, I was a virgin and she wasn't a virgin. The gentleman had the opportunity, like I said, to decide whether or not to take her unto his wife. Same thing with uh, Joseph and Mary. Joseph had a mind to put her away. But he was told by an angel that what is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Take Mary to be thy wife. That's what he said. That's what the angel said. And Joseph did. So nowadays it is difficult to find a woman that is a virgin. When I was dating back in the 70s, in the 80s, or actually 70s, I got married in 1983, been married to my wife for 37 years. We just celebrated our anniversary. September 30th of 2020, we just celebrated 37 years. My mom and dad have been married. Well, they were married. My mom passed away two years ago, and they were married over 64 years. 
64 years. My uh, sister, my oldest sister, Jackie, she's passed away. My uh, sister, Joy, her husband passed away. Us three brothers, and they were married. Us three brothers are still married to our wives. My brother Dale and I got married in the same year, so he'll be celebrating his 37th year. My other brother Dennis was, has been married for 40-some-odd years. I don't know exactly what year it was or how long they've been married, but they're married to the same woman because we had a father and a mother that stayed together for those many, many years. We had a great father and a great mother who showed us what marriage really, really is. You say, well, my husband or my wife had an affair. Is that legal bounds for getting a divorce? No, it's not. You married the person. You said, I do. You are bound by God's uh, bindings for life. You promised to be there for life. In sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. And I don't know what would be worse than having an affair. How do you get that trust back? How can you get that image out of your head of your husband or your wife having an affair? There's a lot of prayer that would have to go on. There might, ha- there might be a separation between the two. But you are still bound by God. You are still one flesh, according to what Jesus says. I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. Have you not heard that it was at, at the beginning of time that man shall be, uh, uh, man shall leave his father and his mother and join together with his wife and they shall be one flesh. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I am in my woodworking shop again. Um, I, like in, I like being in my woodworking shop. It uh, is really fun to sit down and take something and uh, cut it up and make it, into, um, make it into a cabinet or something to that effect. My wife and I are doing a, a few different things. Um, We're taking some old windows that um, are like a sash window that turn out, and we're going to be turning those into some doors for a bookcase cabinet, Um, different things like that. We're taking an old dresser and turning it into a island for a kitchen. Um, This is the things that my wife and I enjoy doing. Uh, We like doing things together. Sometimes uh, we wind up you know, one of us was going to wind up in jail, I think, one of these times. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, my wife and I, I don't know if I've ever said this, but my wife, Joyce, and I have celebrated our 37th anniversary uh, here just uh, uh, September 30th of 2020. If you're listening to this in another year, another time, we just celebrated our 37th anniversary, and um, uh, we've been married 
and we have four children and four wonderful five actually we just had another child uh, or my uh, daughter just had another boy um, now we have five grandchildren and uh, what a joy they are to have in our lives and uh, to just being able to go there and seeing them or they come to our house and see us and it's wonderful for them to come over and spend the night and uh, we get out it's winter time we get out the hot chocolate or we'll go out and um, sit by the fireplace and and uh, enjoy a nice Iowa winter by the fire so today um, speaking of marriage um, I have been asked, I am a uh, wedding officiant actually, and I have been asked many, many times about a certain subject. And I'll get to that subject in just a few moments. But one of the things that I want to uh, cover um, is that marriage is a great institution. And I love being married. Um, one of the things is that when I go to bed at night, I'll know that I have someone that's going to try to wake me up or get me up in the morning, and I don't have to worry about a uh, alarm clock. But I get asked questions all the time, different questions about the Bible, from the dawn of time to Moses to Noah, I mean, just about everything. And one subject that has come up many times is marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Now, I know that there's a lot of controversies in this subject. Lots and lots and lots. People get angry, actually, with me when I look at the Bible and I'm like, this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to give you uh, what the Bible says today. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version because it's the original version from the Greek that King James made uh, right um, uh, It's the earliest version from the Greek and the Hebrew. So we're going to be looking at that. Now, I have done, uh, I did a study over a year on this subject, this particular subject. Um, and when I do research, I just don't do um, a research on um, a few pages. I read books. Um, I went to the Jewish um, library and looked at the ancient Jewish rituals on marriage and how they are married. And what it, today is so different about marriages compared to what they were, uh, you know, three, four thousand years ago. Now, first of all, we have to get, we have to look at the ancient Hebrew and we have to see. Now, when we talk about the seven tribes of Israel and um, a podcast that I've done in the past, um, I might have to redo it, um, is about the, sun, the seven tribes of Israel. Now, it's not the country Israel, it's the father Israel. His name was changed to Israel. God changed it. And he, of course, is the um, father of Joseph, the uh, kid of many colors, the uh, coat of many colors guy. Um, so we have to go back at least that far. Now, in those days when someone wanted to get married, 
they just did not go out and start hunting. They didn't go to the bar or they didn't go down to the nearest water hole where the camels were. Um, they were arranged. Marriages were arranged. They were promised the father of the son of a son would go and say, I have a son that's becoming of age or even before, you know, 10, 12 years old or even before, um, I want him to marry one of your daughters. And that's what they would do. Okay. All right. We'll give you one of your, one of my daughters. Now you have to remember that the girls at that time, the young ladies, before their menstrual cycles, they didn't wear masks or they didn't wear coverings over their face. As soon as they had their first menstrual cycle, that's when they began to wear the coverings, the face, the mat, you know, whatever. Um, that's when they started to wear their ma uh, face masks or their coverings. And they were considered, uh, women of that time, at that time period, were not considered very valuable. The cattle, the, the, the sheep, the camels, whatever, were more valuable to the man uh, of the family than the women were actually. Um, women, I guess, I, I, this is very barbaric. I mean, it's, it's, it was a different, different time. But um, they just did not uh, consider the woman very valuable. They were just there to have children um, and cook meals. So it's a lot different nowadays, of course. I mean, we see that uh, a lot. And it changed uh, even, after, uh, even after Jesus came and was on this earth. It began to change at that time. So, but we need to look back at the marriage of the um, man and the woman. Now, if you heard just a bang, that was a walnut falling off my tree. Anyway, so what would happen is that they would be coming engaged and the engagement would be uh the uh, uh, the engagement would be the time that they the, the fathers got together and said okay i have a son you have a daughter i want my son and your daughter one of your daughters to be married and that was the engagement then at the time that they wanted the daughter to get married they would uh ask her are you a virgin? And she said, she would say, yes, I am. Then there would be the marriage. Then what would happen is that at the night of their marriage, when they consummate the marriage, uh, they would go and the man was given a cloth by the elder, by the elders, given a white cloth, and he would place that underneath the woman. They would have intercourse. And after they were finished, the towel would be taken to the elders or to the families and it was examined and if it was bloody or small blood spots that means that she was a virgin if it didn't have any blood spots that means she was not a virgin and the gentleman the newly married man had the choice to make to put her away as they say or and give her a writing of a divorcement or a divorce the marriage to an uh, it or whatever to avoid the marriage because she lied about being a virgin she came into the marriage under false pretenses. Now, the guy had a choice uh, whether or not to keep her or to put her away. That's what they, that's how they called it, to put her away. And that means the marriage was dissolved and it was over. And so then they would start all over again. 
um, they would find another female for the guy to marry, another woman to, for the guy to marry. And that's how it went. That was the only time in those days that a man could give a certificate of divorcement because of false pretenses. They, and when they got married, God saw that marriage as a, as a bond, and no man could separate that. So in the New Testament, when Jesus was approached by the Pharisees and was asked, now this is in Matthew, if you do have your Bibles with you, look in Matthew. I'm going to get mine out here very quickly. Now, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was approached by the, the Pharisees. And he was asked a certain question about, um, is it lawful for uh, the men to divorce their wives? And they were actually tempting him. It says here in verse 3 that they were tempting him. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now there's that phrase again. Put away. And Jesus answered unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the twine shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are not no more twine or twain, but one flesh. Whatever God hath joined together, let no man separate. And then in verse 7 of chapter 19 of Matthew, uh, they said then to them, Well, then uh, they said, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? And Jesus said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put them put away your wives. But it was not from the beginning. It was not so. You see, we can go back to where the Pharisees are talking to Jesus. In verse 4, he says, Have you not read it? That it was not so from the beginning. God made them male and female. He wants to make this point very very clear and he said for this a mother of father um, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh they are joined together and what God joins together he says in verse 6 no man shall put asunder or separate during the time of Moses when Moses led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt and they were on their way to the promised land, these people were very unruly. And as we've heard and we've read in the Bible, we've seen the movie of Ten Commandments where Moses came out of the mountain and the people were rioting, basically. But there was, he was, it was so difficult. Moses finally just would give in and say, okay, do what you want. But it was not so. So verse 19, or verse 9 goes on and says, Jesus is speaking here. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except for it be 
for fornication and shall marry another committeth adultery. All right? Now, in other versions of the Bible, it says sexual immorality. Well, here in the King James, it says fornication. The word coming from the Greek, pornia, which means fornication, which means sex before marriage. And remember how that worked. If she entered the wedding, or she entered the marriage under false pretenses, the gentleman had the right to put her away. Had the right to give her, or file for divorce, or sign a certificate of divorcement. However you want to put it. That was the only way you could get out of that marriage. If they were married for a long period of time, year, two years, five, fifth, whatever, and they wanted to put her away and, and, and leave, and they wanted to get married to another, they committed adultery because in God's eyes, they were still seen as one flesh. And whoever marries that one commits adultery also. So we see that in the Bible, it is very, very clear. In the other versions that man has written, people say, well, it's or it, it says sexual immorality. So it must be okay for me to get divorced and remarry someone else because my wife or my husband had an affair. It doesn't say that at all, people. It says fornication, sex before marriage. That's what King James says because fornia or fornia for pornia is sex before marriage. So Jesus is saying that is the only way to dissolve the marriage, to be put away, to put her away. Or I guess you can look at it just the other way. If the guy says, no, I've never married, I've never been with another woman. And he, you know, there's really no way to tell except for his word that he says, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. I mean, could it work that way? I guess it could have, but it never did back then. But God still sees them as one. Still sees them as one. Whether they, uh, whether you've been, like I said, if you've been married for uh, just a year, or a month, two months, or six months, five, ten, twenty-five, fifty years, and someone has has an, an affair, and you divorce, or you put away, God still sees you as one flesh, one couple. You are not to remarry. If you do, that's committing adultery. That's the only circumstance under God's law. That's how it was back then. And uh, let me go back. Let me, let me go to Paul, what he was saying in 1 Corinthians. He was saying in 1 Corinthians that if you want to remarry, you need to reconcile with your spouse. 
reconcile with your spouse. And a lot of people are like, nope, ain't going to do it. Ain't going to happen. And it's not going to happen because I can't stand that person. Well, the Bible says clearly these two cases where Jesus says you can't get remarried because you're going to commit adultery. And Paul says if you want to remarry, go back to your spouse because God still sees you as one flesh. I'm not saying this. Jesus said it. It has always been so. From the beginning of time, God made a male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother and cling to his father and mother and cling to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That's how it says in the Bible. Paul says when in 1 Corinthians, if you want to remarry, marry your spouse. Go back to that person. Reconcile with them. And they both have to be willing to reconcile. It is very difficult in our society to find a woman that is a virgin or even a guy that's a virgin. I do have to admit, and this is, this is going to kill everybody, I started watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette several years ago. And I, I don't want to say it was research. It's, it was just kind of a neat show. You know, and I, I don't know. But now it's getting too just really weird. We haven't watched it for a long time. And it's just getting so terrible. It's almost like, I mean, to me, it's like it's getting scripted. You know, oh, we've got to make this so much better. We've got to do it this way. And so I'm just, I'm just getting so sick of it. Well, on a couple of the shows that I've been watching, the, the guy with The Bachelor and this one girl, sweet kid, I'm, I, I'm a virgin. I hope, he can, I hope he can understand how I feel and all this other stuff. And he just goes, she just goes on and it's like, that's not a bad thing. Being a virgin is a good thing means you haven't given yourself up for someone just yet. You know, years ago in Sunday school class, our Sunday school teacher put it this way, was our youth pastor at the time. He said, having sex before marriage is like opening up your Christmas present a little bit too early. Think of it as a young child and you're, you ask for a certain present a certain gift and you just had to have it you just had to have this one special gift you sat on Santa Claus's lap and you I want this present Christmas is getting closer and all of a sudden you look underneath the Christmas tree and there's a box about the right size about the right shape of that special gift that you want. You get up in the middle of the night, you go downstairs and you open that present and it's like, oh, the joy, the elation. I got my present. I can't believe it. 
it oh it is just wonderful and you get it out and you start playing with it all of a sudden it's four o'clock it's five o'clock in the morning i better get in bed christmas morning is tomorrow so you wrap it up very very carefully you put it back underneath the tree you go back upstairs you fall asleep mom comes into the room it's christmas merry christmas sweetie you go downstairs and everybody starts to gather around the christmas tree and everybody starts getting presents and you get a few things and you're really happy with those you're excited and your mom and dad are sitting there so proud and they give you your present the very last present everybody's watching because everybody knows what you what is in that box that you're gonna get and they're all excited and they're really just ready to bust and you sitting there and it's not as exciting as it was when you first opened it you open the present and you open it up and it's so nice thank you so much it's wonderful you start playing with it and after a while it gets a little old and your mom and dad are wondering why it's what's going on and you have to explain to them that I opened it before Christmas. I came down in the middle of the night and I opened up my present. And it hurts them. Because you couldn't wait. You couldn't wait. And that's the same thing with sex before marriage. People today, you can't find it's difficult. I shouldn't say you can't, but it's very difficult in this day and age to find someone that has the same beliefs as you that is not a virgin or that is still a virgin. They think that nowadays it's okay to have sex on the first date. I didn't even hold hands on my first date. I didn't even hold hands. I didn't even kiss my, this is way back in the, early, in the late 70s. I didn't even kiss my first girlfriend until I was 16 years old. I was scared to death. I didn't know if I was going to pucker correctly or what it, what it was. But today, if the, today in our society and our young people are today, if you don't have sex on the first date, there's something wrong with you. And that's what our kids have to deal with. And there are some girls out there that don't want to have sex on the first date or the second or the third. But eventually the other kids start pressuring her or the boyfriend starts pressuring her. Well, all the other girls are doing it. So she finally gives in. And she is hurt. She's sad. She has to tell her parents. I knew kids in, kids in my own church that got pregnant before marriage. My wife and I got married and then we had our children. You see, it's really, really important that the virtue of the woman is upheld. If the guy loves you enough 
He can wait until your wedding night. He should wait. You need to wait. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot. I'm going to give you my email address, which is Wayne, or excuse me, which is wgallen3315 at gmail.com. And it's all lowercase, wgallen3315 at gmail.com. If you have questions or you have a comment about this last subject, about divorce, marriage, and remarriage, send me your, send me your question. And I will respond to those questions. And um, if you want me to, read the questions over the air and I can answer those uh, on the air because a lot of people might want to hear them. I won't use your real name. Um, I won't use your name at all, but if you'd like to have me read those, um, please make sure that you say, you know, you can read this on, on the air, on the podcast, and I will do that. But that's what we face in our society today. People don't go deeper into the Bible to find out what is truthful. There are a lot of pastors out there that preach this message, but they preach it wrong. They go to, the people go to their counselor or they go to the pastor of the church says, my wife had a, 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 an affair or my husband had an affair. Can I divorce my husband? Well, sure you can. It's, it says right here in the Bible that sexual immorality Oh, okay. Now I can go out and marry someone else. No, that's not how it works, people. Read what the Bible says. Study what the Bible says because it's only the time when you enter a marriage under false pretenses that you can actually say, oh, I'm not going to do this. Look at Mary and Joseph. Look at Mary and Joseph. Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. They were supposed to get married. All of a sudden, Mary finds out that she's pregnant. She has to tell Joseph because eventually he's going to find out. She tells him and he's devastated. What's he going to do? He has a mind to put her away, to give her up, say, no, sorry. But the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, fear not to take Mary unto thee thy wife. Because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He was going to put her away. He was going to dissolve. He didn't even want to, he didn't want to marry her. He was going to get rid of her. He was going to put her away. They weren't married yet. Okay. So he had the choice. He had that choice to just say, no, nope, I'm done. Not going to get married. But he was told by the angel, fear not. For what is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Take Mary unto thee thy wife. That word, put away, is the same thing, or does mean divorced, or put away, you know what I'm saying. So you see, the things that we have to learn and to read in the Bible should be studied more discreetly. Don't just read the Bible. Study it. Learn. Go to the Greek and see what the Greek words mean. Go into the Hebrew. Learn the Hebrew, uh, uh, the cultures, and what happens. It is so interesting to see uh, 
the timelines and the, the way they lived back in those days and how they lived. You know, just don't read the Bible, study it. Do some research on a subject. Learn from the King James Version. Don't look at these other versions of the Bible because these other versions of the Bible make it a lot easier for people to do something that is wrong. Oh, well, the Bible says this, just like in, the, in this um, uh, uh, portion of the scripture we're talking about today. Some versions say sexual immorality. Well, my husband or my wife, that an affair? So I can get, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It says fornication. So take time to read the Bible. Take time to study it, not just read it and to uh, uh, say, okay, this is, you know, and not really understand what it means. Get a, a good study guide, a good study book. Learn from the King James Version. You know, I mean, even listen to uh, rabbis speak on the, on the first five books of the Bible. It's so interesting to hear that. So today I want you to take the time to seek God and pray. If you are in a, a divorce and remarried situation, you are going to have, and you're saying, well, I, I, I know I'm, I'm right. I would like to know how you think that. Or you might know of somebody that's in that same, same uh, situation just like that. I, I, people ask me, what am I supposed to do? I don't marry them. If they're divorced and, and they want to get remarried to someone else, I can't marry them. I won't marry them. Because of how, what I believe. And I'm an officiant and I do a lot of weddings. So I know that there's out there that people want to do this. And the Bible says you can't. I will remarry them if they're going to marry their original spouse. But any other way, I'm sorry. I hope that you see today that the Bible is truth. And the Bible is how we should live our lives. It's not antiquated. It's not out of date. It's our past and our future, what we can look forward to, the hope that we have in God. Again, send me an email, Wayne, or uh, excuse me, WG Allen at, oh, excuse me, WG Allen 3315 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Let me know that you're out there, and God bless.